0: Reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter one, beginning at the 57th verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, They came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, none of your relatives has this name. They began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue freed and he began to speak praising God. Fear came over all their neighbours and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, what then will this child become? For indeed the hand of the Lord was with him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. May the words that come from my mouth be inspired by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Well, just a little bit of a context to this passage that makes it a little bit uh, clearer. Um, you might remember that in the story that Zachariah was uh, made uh, mute uh, after uh, the an- announcement that um, he was going to be a father, um, which may or may not have been the case for many people <laughs> in here if you found out that you were going to be a father um, unexpectedly. Um, I suspect his age was probably somewhat similar to some of us in this room, um, so you might have been struck dumb if uh, you found that out. And um, and the, when um, when The the people were looking towards John, towards Zachariah for the for the name. Uh, It gives you some understanding of the cultural context. For a mother to name a child would not have been something that uh, would been expected. In fact, it would probably be fairly scandalous. That it was not the mother's role to name the child. It was the father's role to name the child, and. Well, uncertain circumstances, Zechariah couldn't speak, um, so Elizabeth steps in and says his name's going to be John because she could speak, um, but that was, again, not the normal thing, that the normal thing you did was that you gave a child a family name. And in my case, um, I'm, I'm named in in a family tradition. Stuart is my mother's maiden name. so. It wasn't scandalous when uh, my my mother uh, named me uh, because she'd always had a plan that the firstborn son would be named Stuart to continue that family tradition, at least on on her side of the family. She's got lots of brothers, so the Stuarts in Queensland are thriving. Um, But in those days, uh, it was scandalous to have not only the mother name it, but it not to be a family name. So that's a little bit of the the backstory to where we land uh, this morning. Um, I, as you know, I I do like language and and understanding where it comes from. When I first read this passage, again to prepare for uh, this morning, um, when it said fear came over their neighbours, I had the sense that fear in the sense of awe, And wonder, which we read about in the Bible, um, because that made sense to me that with the loosening of Zechariah's tongue, with the revelation of of the miracle of the birth, uh, then people would have been, wow, that's amazing. How awesome is that? But I went back to the Greek and found out that the word actually means more commonly terror, so they were terrified when they saw what had happened. And, I, and that, that set a little bit uncomfortably with me, in part because I think um, the word terror in our context and culture has taken on a whole different meaning in recent times. But the idea that the work of God would terrorize, that, that did make me particularly uncomfortable for a little while. And I started to think, and I have to admit, the first thought I I thought of was actually terrorising my neighbours because I'm a person of God. Um, I don't mind the idea of that, particularly at 2 o'clock in the morning when they're having loud parties, as they continue to do. Um, And now that the restrictions in Queensland have relaxed, they seem to have gone back to their old habits. And so Saturday night, I think it was 2 a.m., when they stopped their partying. So I would have liked to have terrorised them, uh, but I'm not quite sure that that's what... um, Luke has in mind when he retells this story. And then I I noticed something in this passage. It's sort of bookended um, with emotions from the neighbors. If you go back to the first verse that I, the second verse that I read, it said, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy on her and they rejoiced with her. the rejoicing of a woman who'd been barren, who would have had a sense of shame uh, in that culture that she couldn't have a child. And all of a sudden she was now culturally appropriate because she was a woman who could have a child. And in those days, that was how you fit in as a woman. If you were a part of society, you had to breed and and that was your place. I know that the world has changed, thankfully, and we're much more egalitarian. And, and if I said that to my wife, I wouldn't be getting uh, dinner. Well, that's not how our, our family works. We share the cooking load. So we have changed a lot. But we, to understand the power of God and the words of God, we need to understand what's going on in this world that, that um, Elizabeth was living in. So the idea that God would give her a sense of cultural place led to rejoicing. But then at the end of the passage, those same people who were rejoicing at the idea of uh, this family now fitting in are now terrorised by the work of God because it took them to a place that they didn't expect. They were uncomfortable on a number of In a number of areas, I'm sure the idea of somebody who'd been struck mute all of a sudden speaking would rattle the best of us. But that coupled with the miracle of the birth of John the Baptist really did rattle their sensibilities to the point where they became terrified. What is God doing here? Where is God taking this family, where will God take this particular child? But I think the main reason that they were terrified is, what does this mean for us? Our understanding of what we thought was culturally appropriate has now been completely reshaped by this one experience. As we approach Christmas in... I think in 24 hours time, uh, we'll be starting uh, to, to think about Christmas Eve and Christmas Day a little bit more if we're not already. As we approach the Christmas story, that's been told and retold over and over again. And I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler. When you get to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we're using that same passage that we use every year from Luke's Gospel. It's the same. For every service, it's the same. But I wonder if we can have a look at this story a little bit differently. Whether we might try not to create Christmas after our culture that we're living in now. But maybe we might allow the Christmas story in a way to terrify us. That God wants the world that God created to be somewhat significantly different to what it is now. I don't know about you, but in the light of 2020, that excites me, that if the world is not what it is now, that, that's exciting. But it, it is also terrifying because the things that we find comfortable and we rely on and we lean on, maybe we need to look at them a little bit differently. The Christmas story isn't meant just to fit in with the shape of the world that we're living in. The Christmas story is to reshape the world. But more importantly, it's to reshape you and me. And that can be a work that, to be honest, is terrifying. Because we get comfortable with who we are and the way we do life. And whatever age and stage you are at, whether you're a newborn child like like John the Baptist or an old man like Zachariah or an old woman like Elizabeth. God's not finished his work of reshaping us and reshaping creation and the world. I wonder how people who come to church at Christmas but also who worship throughout the year might be impacted and then used by God in the year ahead if we are willing to let the Christmas story have that level of impact on us. I pray as we ponder these big thoughts, as we wrestle with the terror that we find in the idea that God is not finished reshaping us, that we might rest and find comfort in the sure and certain hope that Christ has come into our world. Christ has died and Christ is risen and the Holy Spirit is with us and that we're not on our own. Not only do we have the Holy Spirit, we have each other, the church, to journey with us in this journey of reshaping. Yes, Christmas is going to be different this year, but thank God for that. Amen.